Daniel Greenberg reported yesterday that internally some Bulls think that Lonzo Ball's career is over. And I want to thank the Bulls for catching up to what the rest of us have been thinking. We're going to talk about that, plus skepticism around Levine finishing his five-year deal as a member of the Chicago Bulls, plus the mailbag, all that and more right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. All right, Bulls fans, welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. If you want to follow me, you can do so at CEO Hayes on every social media platform. If you want to follow the channel, you can do so at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform. But let's go ahead and get into it. So, Daniel Greenberg tweeted out again another great page. Uh, just follow Daniel Greenberg if you want all your Chicago sports updates quick in one concise area. Daniel Greenberg got you covered. He even posts the links uh, to the to the uh, the podcast or, or blogs or whatever that he's quoting. It's a great place to be. But with that said, he says that uh, they retweeted from Dan Bernstein who was on um, uh, a podcast and said that privately a lot of the Chicago Bulls execs just do not think that it's likely that Lonzo Ball is going to return to ever play again. And so. This is something that we have all known ever since. If you guys watched that video by a doctor who explained the surgery that Lonzo Ball went through and why it's rare that athletes come back at a high level, much less at a professional level, to be able to, to, to perform after that type of surgery, we all knew that the writing was on the wall that more than likely Lonzo Ball is not going to return back to basketball. Now, again, there, there, there is always that possibility that he could, and you do hope that a player of his age and youth can return back to basketball at some level, right? Is he going to be the same player that he was before? It's highly unlikely, but Lonzo Ball's game wasn't hugely based on athleticism either. It's not like he was jumping out of the gym. Um, but, you know, I said it before, and I try to prepare you guys. Lonzo Ball surgery, the surgery that he got, is more about quality of life than what it is about returning to, 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 to sports. And that just is what it is. And so if he can return, I do think it's highly unlikely that it is in a Bulls uniform. If he does, a more power to him, more power to the Bulls. But everything is pointing to the direction that it's, that it's not going to be likely. And hopefully that lets the Chicago Bulls come in and, and go into the offseason better prepared and ready to bring in a point guard that we need to help kind of continue to unlock this team. Now, we'll say that with it looking like the Bulls aren't going to use either exception, either the designated player or the career-ending injury exception. Those aren't going to be tools that the Bulls are able to use. It does continue to just put a limit on what the Bulls can go out and get. It just is what it is there. And so um, we'll end up seeing. I, I do like that, you know, let me not say that, that sounds negative. I, I'm glad that there's a better level of awareness, it seems like, from the Chicago Bulls front office now on the fact of, the reality of what Lonzo Ball is going through. Like, it's just it's just the reality of it. And hopefully that puts them in a position to where they're more aggressive about going out and getting the things that they need to help improve this team. Now, again, we have luxury tax concerns and things like that. We actually have a voicemail kind of that I'll, that I'll go into that a little bit more on here later in the show. But ultimately, it kind of is what it is with Lonzo. I, I, it sucks that a player at his age is dealing with this. It sucks that any player has to have what they potentially have been going for their whole life Taken away when you look at Lonzo Ball, his whole the whole way that that Ball family practiced, performed, uh, and and even Levar Ball, who I'm not the biggest fan of, he prepared, tried to prepare his boys for NBA careers, and it, it like uh, so far two that actually made the NBA and Lamelo and Lonzo have both dealt with some serious injuries. Lamelo hasn't dealt with anything as serious what Lonzo has dealt with. Um, it was, what it seemed like his career could possibly be over, and then Jello just is not an NBA level talent, and so. 
when, when it just comes all to it, like it really does suck that that dream could be taken away from Lonzo Ball, and it's just because of health. It's not because of his inability, right, to actually play when he's healthy. It's not because he doesn't have the skill. It's because his body failed on him, basically, and that is a feeling that I don't wish upon anybody to have what you do, what you love, what you almost were in a way bred and trained to do since you were a kid be able to be taken away from you because of that. But, hey, that's life. That's basketball. That's always the risk of every sport. And I'm glad that at the end of the day that this team is coming to that realization, and let's see now what they do with that realization, right? All right, let's get into the next topic today before we get into the voicemails, and that is um, there also seems to be some skepticism, and this one comes from Casey Johnson, uh, This one uh, that, that Levine finishes his five-year deal with the Chicago Bulls. Now, he has three more years left on that contract plus a player option. So, you know, we'll see if, the, if it even goes the full five years. But here's what I'll say on that. I know a lot of people use that quote in this tweet and this thing to, to say, oh, well, hey, this, this shows that they're going to they're gonna move Zach. And it doesn't necessarily say that, right? Because most of these, and Casey Johnson said this, is coming from outside sources that believe that. Not, not internally with the Bulls, who the Bulls are internally still backing Zach Levine. But I do think that, it's common. Like, that's not when – you, when you look at where the Bulls are, when you look at Zach Levine, when, and, and to just look at that situation and say, hey, I don't think that he's going to finish out that contract there, that's not shocking, right? Levine is the same age that, that Jimmy was when we traded Jimmy around there about, right? Um, and so, it, with that being said, like, it's, it, it makes sense. It makes sense to say that, like, this Bulls team has been underperforming, period. And when you have a player on a max level contract on a team that's underperforming, a team that has yet to win a playoff series, yes, it takes time, right? And the three years that AK has been running this team, it, it's going to take more time than that to build a contender, right? But it, it doesn't necessarily always take that much time to win a playoff series. And because of that, you're going to see people rightfully so say, hey, I don't know if Levine's going to finish here. But let's, let's be realistic in what they're saying and, and the sources it's coming from. It's coming from sources outside the Bulls. It's coming from sources who are looking at where the Bulls sit right now, and they they come to a reasonable conclusion. It's reasonable to assume and think Zach Levine is not going to finish out this deal as a member of the Chicago Bulls, especially when you look at the trade rumors that are around right now, the trade rumors that are around at the trade deadline, right? That, that gives leeway to that skepticism. But at the end of the day, it really does fall back onto what this team is able to build in the time that Zach Levine is here, right? And in that time over that five-year contract. And if at some point, AK finally looks at it and says, hey, uh, yeah, I don't know about this one. Um, then, yeah, that deal could possibly be moved. I don't think that it's coming anytime soon. I don't even think if they do move into the, that number three or, top, or the Dallas Mavericks 10 pick, even, even though that's unlikely, if they do, I don't think Zach Levine is going to be the trade target there. I don't think they're going to try to look to move. And we've kind of heard those rumors, right, hearing that they're ready to reshape around Zach Levine. So because of those things, I don't think that it's something immediate, it could be, right? If, if Zach Levine ends up being the barrier for the number three overall pick, I think AK may weigh that. But at the end of the day, we'll see, man. We'll see. Uh, and I think that I hope, I should say, that AK and Eversley are about to get to work again, right? They had a very active first offseason in which they brought in DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball, Alice Caruso, and all those moves. Um, they worked to a degree, right? If Lonzo was able to stay healthy, I think we would look at those deals way, way differently than what we do now. Um, and that was never going to be followed up with subsequent offseason and trade deadlines with a lot of activity. When you completely reshape your roster one year into taking your job, basically, you're going to want to see if those pieces are going to work together. Now, it didn't, right or wrong. We can have that conversation. But I think now 
where you sit there, there are a couple of different scenarios where the Bulls are going to go. One, they're going to run it back this season. I think that's still the more likely scenario with some some slight additions. Two, they're going to make a move, uh, whether it be DeMar, Vooch, Zach, they're going to make a move. That's also something that could possibly happen. Another thing that could happen as well, which is a mixture of the two, is you just run it back and let these contracts expire. So that because that is an option, and then you do have that next time to make a big move in 2025 offseason, which I know seems like an eternity for Bulls fans, um, that may be the move. And so we'll end up seeing, you guys know, we'll continue covering it right here on Chicago Bulls Central. But all right, let's get into the voicemails for today. We got three voicemails, two text messages on today's episode. This first voicemail, this one's from Shay. What's up, Hayes? This is Shay. You know, I was thinking about, you know, free agency and all of this and everything else. And, you know, we don't necessarily have to get, like, major money for the things that we need. Think about it. We need, we need, like, we don't necessarily need a paint protector, but we need a good backup power forward. You know, you get that on the cheap market, maybe like a, I don't know, uh, Thaddeus Young who can still be productive. Maybe not give you points and all that, like 20 a game, but like he can still be productive if used the right way correctly. And we could get some shootings, shooters on a vet minimum. Now I know what you're thinking. You probably already know this already, but I feel like all of these all of these fans are looking to make to make these big moves to get like guys like Tyler Hero and all of that. But you know, maybe if we get some minor moves, I guarantee you, we probably could be a much improved team. Anyway, tell me what you think. Peace. All right. So I get where Shay is getting at, but here's here's the thing that I'm going to bring to you, Shay, is that you also have to realize the team. A, if the Bulls bring back Kobe White and Nikola Vucevic on reasonable deals, this isn't even like. High-level deals or, or Vooch getting 20-plus million, which Casey Johnson has said that he thinks Vooch is going to want to raise. So this isn't even if Vooch gets that raise, right? This is if Vooch re-signs at a base-level contract with that first year being $18 million, and then he gets raises there on it. The Bulls only have about $7.5 million under the luxury tax, which is our official hard cap because we know this team does not pay the luxury tax. So that will leave $7.5 million to pay for the things that we need. And when you look at the, the priorities for the Bulls. We need a point guard, right? Whether that is you move Kobe into the starting point guard, you bring a facilitator on the bench, or you try to find a starting level point guard. You look at shooting. Even, like, some, we need some shooting on this team. And then you look at a backup big man. You're not getting all three of those for $7.5 million. And even you saying the vet minimum, the vet minimum is $2.7 million. So even that is cutting drastically into that and if you you would be lucky to find three players who are willing to take the vet minimum that are going to actually be able to contribute to your team so because of that that is why it's not about the bulls needing to go out and sign a high level contract player it's just the fact that we have limited resources with limited spots and a team that does not go into the luxury tax now if we were a team that went into the luxury tax that completely changes things right we then have a 12 million dollar mid-level exception we can use in full we then have a biannual exception of five million dollars i think it is that we can then use in full when you're looking at that amount of assets that's when you're talking about being able to still add those things without spending a lot of money but again because the luxury tax is our unofficial hard cap because of ownership it's going to be very hard to add everything we need via if you find cheaper players to do it or not and what i'll say is that also when you look at this team it's going to take a lot more than just three veteran minimum players unless you're getting players that are taking a discount 
which doesn't seem like Chicago's going to be a destination for that. So I get what you're getting at, Shay. I just don't think it's realistic for where this team is. All right, let's get into the next voicemail. This one's from Greg. Yo, hey, it's your boy. Experience the thrill of March Madness. If you're still out on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter the bracket contest for a chance to take home prizes up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, my bookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim the code Bull Central, but the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about my bookie, you can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use the promo code Bull Central to secure your limited time welcome bonus today. Great, man. I have a question, man. What do you think about the Bulls moving late into the draft and trying to draft Imani Bates? I believe he would be there. I really do. Give me your thoughts. Can the Bulls move into the draft and get Imani? Imani Bates will absolutely be there, especially if you're looking at late first round. The question is really is that is AK and Eversley going to be willing to draft a player with those type of character concerns? AK, typically, even if you look back at the Denver days, he doesn't really do people with character concerns pat bev was probably the biggest one that he's done and i i have to go over all his denver transaction history but it's not typical of ak and how he moves so amani bates could be there and if if the bulls do make that move i think that they're going to do extensive extensive investigating research researching and having conversations to try to judge what those character concerns of amani bates is but i do think look some mocks have amani bates going undrafted because of the character concerns I do think his showing in the combine is going to make a team be willing to risk it on him. I definitely think that he is showing out in the draft combine. So I definitely think he's going to get drafted. The, biggest, the bigger question I ask is, is that if he is, and the Bulls do trade in, let's say the number 23 pick with Portland, which is the more likely pick that they get, are they going to be really willing to draft Amani Bates or get a more ready-to-go prospect at that point in time? But uh, Amani Bates, just on the basketball court, I love his skill. I love his skill on the basketball court, but we know that we have a franchise that does look into those character concerns as well. So you got to kind of evaluate that also. All right, let's get into this last voicemail for today. This one is from Big O. Hey, what's going on? Hey, you play Big O, man. Oh, man. That's something I was thinking about that uh, 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 as far as a trade scenario uh, that in my mind probably be realistic, but I don't think nobody's talking about. Uh, Assuming that whatever Bulls Top priorities are maybe they strike out on getting the top three pick. Maybe they strike out on whatever their priorities are, and they're looking to move Demar. Uh, I think a team to look out for is uh, the Houston Rockets. This is a team that's very young. We know they hired uh, Joker, uh, and we know that they they want to get some bets over there. And they want to kind of push their timeline a little bit forward. Um, but I know we also know that they they targeted. Uh, they talking about Jalen Brown or that.
really good player in this league. Uh, and we also know that they, they have uh, Josh Green. But I know if they get Harden, they're probably going to let Harden play point over there, which means that Kevin Porter is out. And he's also a point guard, which a point guard that the Bulls would need. So I can see a package somewhere around uh, Kevin Porter. Maybe the Bulls ask for Tariq Easton. And maybe something else. And, you know, maybe it's a deal around tomorrow that I think both parties can probably um, um, win in. So you can let me know what you think about that. I also think that if the Bulls want to get a third pick, they can get creative because I think the Rockets got the fifth pick. Maybe it's a scenario around there where DeMar go to Houston for the film and maybe some other stuff. I don't know, well, because you mentioned it, maybe they don't have enough. All right, Big O, um, here's what I'll say. First off, Houston and DeMar. Um, DeMar would have to be, I mean, Houston would have to be highly interested in trying to make a move. I even think when you look at bringing in Harden, that's not necessarily them saying, oh, we're buying all in on trying to go to the playoffs. And they're definitely not giving up Tari Eason. I can tell you that right now. They are not giving up Tari Eason. And you got to keep in mind also with the voicemail that you left is that if they do sign James Harden, that kind of affects their ability to just absorb contracts outright. They'll still have some cap space for sure to be able to absorb some money so they won't have to match DeMar's deal one for one, but you're still, you still have to do some, some salary in that. So you're looking at a Kevin Porter Jr., but are they willing to give up that young of a player for a, 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 a DeMar who has one year left on his deal? Again, if they were trying to make their move to contend, I could see that, but I don't think that that's what they're going to do there. And so, because of that, I don't think Houston would make a good trade partner. The Clippers, one of the L.A. teams, it really depends. But even at that point, you're not getting back anything marquee. Um, you still, they still have to match salaries as well. So, I, I get what you're getting at. And I understand the mindset of, of trying to move DeMar. But I don't know if Houston is the, is the trade partner to do that. Um, but if they were, let's say Houston was ready to play games. And let's say they were really ready to give up a Kevin Porter Jr., a Jalen Green, which I don't see that at all either. Um, that, that like you're looking at some of those level players, Jabari Smith, they wouldn't definitely not be willing to give. That's the next highest contract. Uh, a Jalen Green, I don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, I guess it's possible in a way, but I just don't think that that's a very realistic deal, brother. I don't think Houston makes that makes sense for what their motivations are and what our motivations are. I think you can make a deal work, right? You can you can go into the trade machine and make a deal work, but I don't know when you're factoring in what each team would want in that in a trade like that, I don't necessarily see that being the case, brother. But I get what you're getting at, Big O, there. All right, let's move on now. Before we end, we got two text messages. This first one, this one's from Jason, and Jason says this. Hey, Jason wanted to send a question for the mailbag. Last season, us Bulls fans thought we see uh, improvement uh, see an, an improvement from P. Will because he was going to train with DeMar for the summer, and it didn't really work out, showing that he's, really, that he's still very passive. I think that's great for Pat and even for Zach to work out with Kobe White this summer instead. We all know that Zach can improve on his handles, but but Kobe showed aggressive this season and made a mark on the game, even with his shots, even when his shots didn't fall. Do you think working out with Kobe can help Pat develop and Zach perfect his game? Well, keep in mind, Patrick Williams and Kobe White have the same ball handling coach, and Zach Levine, as far as it like he's worked out with Kobe in the offseason before. But we have to realize that it's not as simple. This is not like, and I'm not saying that this is what you're saying, Jason, but it's not as simple as you're around this player, you learn these skills through osmosis. You still have to have a certain level of desire and want in yourself. And until Patrick Williams unlocks his aggressiveness, you can have him work out with Michael Jordan, Gary Payton, um, Jimmy Butler, Jesus, and it still would not help him until he unlocks his own aggressiveness and stop being so passive. Patrick Williams has solid ball handling. 
But it's all about the aggressiveness of P. Will. And Kobe's talked about it as well. Laurie's talked about it. Players that are on this team and have, or have gone away. It comes with confidence. And P. Will has to unlock his confidence. Now, I do think the coaches can put him in a better situation to help build that confidence. But it really does still come down to P. Will. He's a 21-year-old kid. Still a kid, right? Be clear. And I know other 21-year-olds have come in and been aggressive right away. So that's not a one-for-one -one excuse. But P. Will has to find it. Until P. Will unlocks his aggressiveness, it doesn't matter who he works out with. It doesn't matter. He needs to figure that out himself. And once he does, I think we're going to have a pretty damn good player on our hand. All right, let's get into the last voice. I mean, last text message for today. This one's from JT. Dig in. This is a long one. Y'all be long-winded, but I love you. JT says, hey, Hayes, what up? This is JT from Chicago. Was thinking about our future number one option. Some people say it's Zach. It's Zach. He's 27, about to be 28, and you, ha and you have Bulls fans that are wanting Zach to turn into into potentially number one option, the best player on the championship team. Let me stop there. I don't think anybody has any misgivings on Zach Levine being the number one on a championship team. I think most, most reasonable Bulls fans understand now, at best, Zach Levine is a number two, probably more likely a number three, depending on the makeup of the roster, as far as your leader on your, your number one option on a, on a championship team. He's probably a number two, a number three, right? And that's fine. But when, you, when we talk about Zach Levine becoming the number one option on this version of the team, it's because he's the best, our most versatile offensive player on this team. And I know we got another mailbag comment from some, somebody who said, well, since when did the number two been on check? We're not anywhere close to being a championship-level contending team. So to try to reframe Zach Levine in a number one on a championship team is asinine. We aren't even close to sniffing a championship-level team. We can't even win the goddamn division, much less be a championship team. But all right, let's keep it moving on that one. Um, as much as I love Zach, I don't think Zach will ever turn into that. I think that we should look to our future piece to be that. For example, I think that could be Patrick Williams. Think about it. Patrick can create his own shot, and when given the opportunities with double-digit shot attempts, specifically trending towards 16 to 18 attempts, he scores more. These are facts. Uh, Zach's been in the league for a while and hasn't lifted the team in the playoffs. Some of that due to lack of teammates and bad coaches he's had. But I would rather go with a 21-year-old Pat Will and, and allow him to develop into that player that a 28-year-old uh, that's been in the league for a while and we're still waiting to see him turn into a number one option, best player on a championship team. Let me know what you think, Hayes. Here's the thing. Patrick Williams coming into this team and the makeup of this team as a rookie and then how this team changed and geared from being a team that was going through the process to a team that was trying to compete, it limited those opportunities. I think most fourth overall picks would have come into an opportunity where they got 16 to 18 shots per game, and then they would have kind of developed that, that muscle memory, right? Patrick Williams is not ready to be thrust into a number one, and especially not this team is still trying to compete, right? If we were tanking, if we were rebuilding and not trying to win games, that's different. And I, and I think also you have to keep in mind Patrick Williams' passiveness is what limits him as well. Again, some of it is coach scheme and not going on to him and Patrick Williams missing development reps. But some of it, a lot of it also is just the his passive nature on the basketball court. And that is what is going to keep. You can't thrust a player like Patrick Williams into being your number anything option while he's this, this goddamn passive. It's just not smart to do. And so while I understand what you're saying and I understand the mindset there, I think before we thrust Pat into being any type of number one anything, it's more important to get him to be a consistent level of effort, a consistent level of passion, a consistent level of aggressiveness, and then let's start rounding out that game after that. That's kind of my thoughts. You guys let me know what you guys think down below. If you're on the YouTube side or if you're on the podcast side, I'll tell you how to get your thoughts in here in a second. Make sure you're following the show 
at Bull Central Pod on every social media platform. You can also send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, bullcentralpod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text message and our voicemail for our mailbag episodes, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related because of you guys. And like I liked in every episode on, go Bulls. Love you guys. See you right if you can, y'all. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Media.